Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Herb Smith touchdown. Five fire rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host. Darren Pritchett. It is 27 minutes in front of 6 o'clock on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Final score from Notre Dame Stadium, Saturday night, Notre Dame 35, Clemson 14. 28-0 in the fourth quarter as the Fighting Irish absolutely bulldozed this Clemson football team that was number four in the country. Joining me now on the program is Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, and, of course, my co-host on Game Day Sports Beat, powered by Michelob Ultra, which will be on the air this Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 as the Irish take on Navy and Baltimore with a noon kickoff. Tyler, there's a lot of things from this game I want to talk about, but let me just start with this simple question. From the lack of a passing game and still winning by 21, some of the dominance shown by the defense in this game, the Notre Dame running game just bulldozing that Clemson front, what was the biggest surprise for you? I guess the biggest surprise to me was just how thoroughly Notre Dame did it in all three phases because – you just mentioned it. Clemson was the number four team in the country, and I think we spent all week talking about how this isn't the Clemson that was led by Deshaun Watson at quarterback or Trevor Lawrence at quarterback or had all of those skill players that you see on Sunday. I mean, I watched NFL football for most of the day yesterday. You see Clemson guys showing up all over the place. I'm not sure this Clemson roster has those guys, and by way of that and by product of that, this team isn't one of those college football playoff potential title teams. Now, that being said, it was 8-0 for a reason. It was ranked number four in the country for a reason because this is still a really good Clemson team that through two months of the season found ways to win ball games and a couple times win ball games over some good teams. So for that team to come in off a of bye week, you know, pretty rested with the guys that they put on the field in South Bend this past Saturday – and Notre Dame to just run right through them offensively, make them look completely confused offensively. They didn't have a pulse on offense. DJ Uyunglele looked like the guy that he was last year that had a lot of people thinking he might not play at all this year. But back to my original point, he, he's played really well this year outside of the Syracuse game, and I guess now that's back-to-back performances that have you scratching your head. But there is some talent in there. 
And on that Clemson defensive line, there are NFL bodies there. And the Clemson offensive line is really good. And Notre Dame got through that a couple times as well. So to me, the biggest surprise was it was Notre Dame that looked like the team that should be undefeated and should have people saying, well, man, if they didn't drop this this one game, they'd be a college football playoff contender because they looked that good and that dominant. Hmm. No question about that. And Tyler, the physicality shown really on both sides of the football, but highlighted by the offensive line. We felt like the offensive line was going to be a strength at the start of the year. It took a couple of games, but Harry Easton has these guys looking like a serious contender for the Joe Moore Award given to the nation's best offensive line. Now, they're probably not going to win it because they're not going to be on a team that's going to be in the college football playoff, but for them to do what they did to that Clemson front, even if they were a little overhyped coming in, that was still a really good defensive line, and I'm just shocked, even without – a serious passing game, they were still able to run the football that well. Yeah, the old saying is a quarterback can make an offensive coordinator look really good, right? Well, it's an entire unit of an offensive line that can make a running back look really good. And I'm not saying Audric Estime and Logan Diggs are chopped liver and they're only getting their yards and touchdowns because of this offensive line, but I am saying this offensive line is a big part of it because when you're just getting the push that this line is getting and creating the space for those two guys, they are talented players, and they will take that and use it to their advantage. So those two things go hand in hand. They always have. If you've got good backs and a good offensive line, you're going to have a really good running game. And, man, these two sophomore tackles, every time I pull up pro football focus and say what you want about it, but to a degree, they know what they're doing there. It's Joe Alt toward the top every single time, and Blake Fisher has entered that conversation as well. He's had a couple top five performances across the Notre Dame offense in the last month or so. So those guys are your foundation, and you've got them for an entire season at least beyond the three or four games that Notre Dame has left this year. It's just really promising. Now, I did write last week that you are going to lose Jarrett Patterson and Josh Lugg, and I don't think we've talked enough about those guys because they're just two veteran presences. I mean, you're talking about a fifth-year guy and a sixth-year guy at your two starting guard spots, and they, they've played really well. They understand the schemes. They, they take care of all of their assignments. It's not a given that Notre Dame is going to have that at those two spots next year, be it Andrew Kristoffic, Rocco Spindler, maybe some of the freshmen, Billy Strauss gets a shot at some point. But just from left to right right now, what you're looking at from Alt to Fisher – with Patterson and Lug in between, and then Zeke Carell is a guy that we used to have weekly conversations about, but now we're not even talking about him, which is a good thing most of the time if you're on the offensive line, if people aren't talking about you, singling you out, then that means you're probably doing your job and quietly working as a five-man team across the line. But you said it best. Harry Heastan has these guys playing excellent football, and it's what we expected at the start of the year. Tyler Horkin, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. My guest here on WSBT Radio. You watch the game from the press box at Notre Dame Stadium. I know you always watch the TV tape to kind of get a secondary feel for what you saw in person. What do you take away from the Notre Dame passing attack, which just did not look great for a fourth consecutive game? Yeah, I mean, I guess it is what it is. And the more games that they put out there like this for us to watch, 
the more it says that what we saw against North Carolina and, and BYU and even some of that second half against California might have been fool's gold. And you get more tape on a guy like Drew Pine, who I've said a couple times on here, you know, 5'11 with a bump on his head, maybe six foot, and he's definitely not 200 pounds. You get more tape out on a guy like that, and you're able to kind of scheme against him and say, you know, most of these teams are saying, okay, Drew Pine beat us because we're going to stop this running game. Well, it's one thing to stop the running game because teams have had a really hard job of doing that. And that is Notre Dame's saving grace right now, because if it didn't have this rushing attack, we are talking about a Notre Dame passing attack that really can't do much of anything outside of get the ball to number 87. He led Notre Dame again. I think it was four catches, 44 yards. And you look at everybody else on the stat sheet. I think Jaden Thomas was the only guy who was the only wide receiver who caught a pass for Notre Dame because was it Chris Tyree who might've had two catches as well. So yes. you're looking at a Notre Dame passing attack that only got the ball to one wide receiver. I mean, we're talking about, uh, I forget what game I, I think I was watching the, maybe it was the Titans and the chiefs last night in the NFL. And they're talking about how these uh, Tennessee quarterbacks can't get the ball to these wide receivers. Of course they lost AJ Brown and they, they don't have much there. The, the parallels are kind of there with me with, with Notre Dame because Lorenzo Styles drops the pass that's right in his mitts again. Braden Lindsay plays all these snaps but doesn't even get any targets. It's just it, the Notre Dame passing offense is what it is right now. And I don't want to say they're lucky to be surviving on the running game because that takes talent, that takes skill, and that's what they're putting all they're putting all their eggs in that basket right now, the running game. But I mean, the Michael Mayer touchdown was let's face it, it was a garbage time touchdown. So to that point, Notre Dame hadn't really done anything prolific through the air. And I'm not saying they're going to get caught by a team like Navy or Boston College, but if you take this passing attack on the road to USC and USC maybe is clicking offensively that day and jumps out early, do you really trust this Notre Dame offense to come back in a game? It hasn't had to do that against Syracuse or Clemson, and that's why it's won these games. It's able to stick to the ground game because they're playing from in front. And just for the record, wide receivers in that game against Clemson targeted seven times, three catches, 15 yards, all the catches by Thomas. Let's go, Tyler, to the defensive side of the football. Benjamin Morrison was a great story early in the year, a member of the last recruiting cycle. There was not a lot of hype about him. There wasn't much buzz that he was going to come into fall camp and get a starting job, let alone even stealing playing time. It didn't feel like coming into the start of the year, but there was a quick buzz surrounding Morrison, eventually started working his way into the starting lineup. And I know you brought this up a few weeks ago, that Notre Dame was one of the worst pass breakup teams in the country. When the ball was in the air, they were not making plays on the football. I'll tell you what, Tyler, based on what we have had a chance to see the last two weeks, maybe that trend has started to change. Yeah, and it starts with Morrison, right? He's aggressive. I forget what the quote was from Marcus Freeman in his Monday press conference, but it was something about confidence and aggression, and Benjamin Morrison embodies both of those attributes. And He's just an 18- or 19-year-old true freshman, which is, which is crazy. Everybody thought that Jaden Mickey would be that true freshman mm-hmm. that comes in and is the star for the Notre Dame secondary, and he might be that at some point in his career. I'm not writing that off. He's had the typical freshman season, you get him on the field. I I wouldn't even say typical, actually. He's probably played a little bit more than a typical freshman, but 
he gets on the field, he has his good plays, his bad plays. You hope that he learns from the, the latter and doesn't have many of them as a sophomore and junior and maybe even going into a senior year. But it's been Morrison, the guy that comes in, and you're like, holy cow, this guy's only a freshman. And the two interceptions against Clemson were, were huge. They both led the touchdowns. Of course, he t- took that into his own hands the second time and just said, I'm going to take this one to the house. And I think that speed was pretty electrifying. And a lot of people at Notre Dame Stadium and, and even watching on TV, seeing him race down the sideline, you knew he was a pretty good player and talented, but I don't know if you knew that he was that fast. And he really just took off from everyone on the field. So uh, it's like what Freeman said today. He's he just got everything, the confidence, the aggression, the talent. Uh, the confidence is really probably the biggest part of it too because you could put a freshman on the field like this and you can get pretty rattled if he makes a bad play. And, and Morrison's had a couple plays that he's probably wanted back. You saw him get beat pretty badly against Syracuse for a touchdown. But that's the great thing when you have a freshman like this who kind of puts that play not necessarily out of his mind, but he learns from it enough to say, okay, I'm not going to do that again. And that's what Notre Dame has in this kid, a really good one. And you have to be excited because you've got at least two years of this afterwards. And anytime you've got Julian Love on the field and during the game tweeting about how good you are and making a point to take a picture and post it on Twitter with you after the field hmm. or after the game on the field, you know you've done something well. Yeah. I want to ask you something that I commented on before that you came on the air. And it centered around, first off, there's got to be really good leadership amongst the players. Mayer, Foskey, Patterson, these are guys that came back to try to win a national championship, in their words. And when they were 0-2, all of those goals were gone. They could have checked out. They could have just said, the heck with being a leader. I'm going to sit here and kind of do my own thing. Obviously, that's not happened. Plus, I think there's a big belief in the locker room, in their head coach, because when they were 0-2, this looked like this could go in a really, really bad direction. But we sit here today, Tyler, even with a bad loss to Stanford, they have won six of their last seven. What do you think that says about the locker room and the leadership that this coaching staff brings to this locker room, including their head coach. Marcus Freeman deserves a ton of credit for not letting this thing spiral because he's a 36-year-old first-time head coach who admitted just a few weeks ago that after the loss to Ohio State and especially after the loss to Marshall, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know how to react. I mean, that is a very precarious situation for a guy who has not experienced this before. He has not been the one that everyone looks to when things are going wrong. I mean, you're not just talking about guys like Mayor Fossey. You're talking about the true freshmen like Morrison. You're talking about younger head co- or not younger coaches on the staff, like, like Tommy Reese, for instance. He doesn't have a Brian Kelly to look to anymore, or Galan McCullough or Al Washington or, or any of these guys who are really still up-and-comers. Chancey Stuckey is a young assistant coach. When Notre Dame was 0-2, everybody is looking to Freeman. How are you going to react, man? What are you going to do to pull us out of this? And, yeah, they hit another speed bump along the way in Syracuse, but that could have been another moment where everything spiraled again, and somehow they've been able to pull out of it. And I think Freeman does deserve a lot of credit in this because you could see that the motivation is there with him. And, obviously, any coach who was in this position would be motivated, but you could see that he – 
desperately wanted to make things right after those losses. And you could see in his face just after this Clemson game that he felt vindicated in a way that Notre Dame had done enough to not completely erase what happened in those losses because those will live forever, but you, you're on the right track. I mean, there was only one of two things that could happen after that. You could keep losing or you could get some big wins, and that's what Notre Dame has done. And I think Michael Mayer's presence at the podium the other night says everything and that he was just minutes removed. Marcus Freeman was minutes removed from saying, hey, this isn't the end-all, be-all. we still got a few games left, and we can make this season even better. This was huge. This was awesome for the program, but this isn't it for 2022. And Mayer gets up there right after and kind of says the same thing. He says, we're going to keep working. We're going to keep trying. We love our head coach. We're going to make this thing as right as we can. Obviously, that would be 9-3 and three with a chance at 10 wins in a bowl game, but Notre Dame's not there yet. And I think that was the most telling thing was it sounds like Mayer is still all in. This guy has every reason to just pack it up and say, Hey, I'm going to save my body and go make millions in the NFL draft in April. But I don't think a decision like that is coming from him until maybe mid December. He sits back and he goes, well, I did all I could for three months. I don't know if one more game is worth it. I might sit this thing out. We saw Kyle Hamilton do that. We saw Kyron Williams do that. In this day and age, you don't fault a kid for doing that. But right now, these guys are living in the present. They are giving everything they've got for Marcus Freeman and for Notre Dame football. And we're talking about a 6-3 and three ranked football team that has some in- interesting and intriguing propositions ahead of it in 2022. And we didn't know if that would be the case just a few weeks ago. Mm. What do you think about this football team heading out on the road, taking on Navy, it's a game you got to be locked in. You got to be focused. Coming off that emotional win, I think this is going to test the guys' mental capacity a little bit to put that game behind them. And you kind of play sleepy old Navy, who we know what they're going to do. And the defenders have to worry about their legs. And the possessions are going to be very key to this game. This this is a game you can't just go out and show up this is a game you have to execute even though it's strange to say and the talent level is so different between the two teams but Tyler we've learned this through the years this game is always kind of wacky and if you're not ready to play it can be a long day longer than it should be yeah it's at noon you laid out everything about Navy there pretty well they're three and six they're not very good it's at an NFL stadium who knows how many people are going to be there I can guarantee you right now it's not going to be as many people that were in Las Vegas, so you don't have that working for you. You don't have this, the intrigue of this big Shamrock Series neutral site game because all it is is just kind of a random neutral site game in, in Baltimore, Maryland. So it's, it's kind of tough and interesting to get up for, especially after playing ranked teams each of the last two weeks. So I think you said it best when saying this is a test of what Notre Dame really is because this is the chance to show everybody that when Marcus Freeman was talking about not getting complacent, not living at, at the top of the mountain that was beating Clemson. You got a couple more games left. You don't have USC yet. I know everyone's kind of getting excited for that already, but you got to play a couple losing football teams before then. So how do you look against those losing football teams? Because the last time you played a couple teams like this, excluding UNLV, you lost to Stanford, you lost to Marshall. So this one's away from Notre Dame Stadium, so maybe it's good to kind of just go somewhere else other than the, the side of the field storming and kind of get some different vibes. But 
those vibes are very different from what they experienced against, against Clemson. So it'll be interesting to see how they fare. What is coming up this week at Blue and Gold Illustrated? The website, of course, blueandgold.com. Well, we've got a lot of basketball coming your way. I'll be at Purcell Pavilion tonight for number nine Notre Dame women's basketball's season opener. The men's opener is a little later in the week. And then, obviously, we got a lot of football talk. I think we had one of our biggest days at blueandgold.com this past Sunday. So that tells you what winning does, not just for the football program, but for the people who cover that program as well. So we're still wrapping up coverage on Clemson. And then, obviously, we'll be previewing Navy. Just $10 if you go to blueandgold.com right now until the start of next football season. So you got 10 months or so for $10. It's a heck of a deal. We cover Notre Dame football like nobody else. And I don't know if you saw the news, but Joe Wilkins just entered the transfer mm-hmm. portal. So we've got a couple stories up on that. Pretty much every other site only has one. We've got two for you. So go to blueandgold.com. Again, we cover Notre Dame football like nobody else. And you'll be going to Baltimore this week? I will. I will be there. All right. Very good. So I will talk to you via the old telephone on game day sports beat Saturday from 9 to 11 here on WSBT Radio. Thanks for the visit. Great work as always. And we will talk to you on Saturday. All right, Darren. Can't wait. Thank you. You bet. That is Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. You can always read his work at blueandgold.com. Six minutes in front of six o'clock. My name is Darren Pritchett, and this is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish and tonight's Monday Night Football game featuring the Baltimore Ravens and the New Orleans Saints. Sports Radio 960 WS. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.